Please join me this morning in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. We're going to be covering the entire chapter, so uh, verses 1 through 21 of Daniel, chapter 10. I'm just going to start out by praying. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together. It was just sweet to be able to worship you, just hearing the voices of your church, seeing the praises of your glory, just how sweet it is to hear all of us gathered together just singing to the one we love. God, I, I know this is just the beginning and that one day we'll be gathered around your throne and we won't be limited by our voices or octaves. So it's just going to be glorious. And so, Lord, uh, we just thank you for the rehearsal. <laughs> we love you and we ask that as we gather in your precious word that you'd bring out sweet truths for us, God, to ponder until that day we see you face to face. And it's in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. First uh, verse here says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In the first verse, we're, we're basically given uh, the date of when chapter 10 ha- happens, and by the, also chapter 11. Um, it, it says that this happened in the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, and so put on your history hats. Uh, Daniel's basically in his 80s right now at this time, and he has been a captive in Babylon under the Babylonians for his entire life up until three years prior from chapter 10, where the uh, Medo-Persians came in and defeated Babylon and took over the rule of Babylon. And so chapter 10 takes place mostly likely three or four years right after uh, Medo-Persia took over Babylon. And uh, so chapter 10, basically, uh, Cyrus is in charge, the king of Persia, now, remember that we read in chapter 5 that Darius was in charge. I, I'm still confused about this, all this. Anybody else confused about who was in charge, Darius or Cyrus? Um, basically, chapter 10 says that uh, Cyrus, in the th- it's in the third year of his reign. So some believe that Cyrus and, and Darius are the same guy. That's one view, is that Cyrus... Uh, is, is the guy's name, and, and Darius is basically the title. Because there's guys later that come on that are called Darius. Um, others believe that these two are distinct individuals, um, with the possibility of Cyrus being the ruler over the, of the entire empire and Darius being the guy who was set up uh, over Babylon, kind of the, the, Pers- the, the Medo per- arm of the Medo-Persian empire being set up over Babylon. Others kind of agree with that as well, and they also say, well, actually, uh, it could be that Darius could have been the leader of the Persian part first for the first year of that rule of Babylon, then he dies, then Cyrus comes and takes over. So I'm just totally confused. Um, so just to let you know if, you're, if I'm confusing you now, welcome. Um, but it's been hard to nail this stuff down, especially from extra-biblical records. They aren't clear on this, and so but it seems to me uh, the Bible lays out that they're probably two different people. Different people see it differently, and so if we see it differently, let's still be friends. Um, 
Nevertheless, it says in verse 1 of chapter 10, it takes place three years after Cyrus's reign. Either way, this would be three or four years after Babylon is taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire. So, so Daniel's in his mid-80s. And, you know, you have a lot of energy in your mid-80s. The guy has served his whole life uh, in, in Babylon. He's had high positions of authority. Some believe he might be even retired at this point. But the Jews would have been captive for, in, in Babylon for 70 years, actually beyond 70 years at this point. Um, and we know from Ezra chapter 1 that Cyrus a couple years prior in his first year gave the decree that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem. So this is two years after that. And so in in chapter 9, Daniel, remember, is praying for the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Well, in chapter 10, that has already happened. That's happened. And so it's during this time in the third year of Cyrus that Daniel, who is called Belshazzar here, um, that's what his captors called him, is seeking God again and receives a word from the Lord. And this word, verse 2, tells us it's true. Daniel says it's true because this is absolutely astounding what's going what's gonna to be uh, brought out in chapter 10 and 11. He says it's true, first of all, and secondly, um, it's about a great conflict. We're going to see war in here, heavenly war, physical war, uh, earthly war, and, da- and it says that Daniel understood its meaning. And if you remember, Daniel has not understood much of what's been going on. He just walks away bewildered every time. So he has great understanding about this truth. And so verses 1 and 2 basically are an introduction about everything that's going to be said. And then Daniel says in verse 3 that during this time, uh, the, the leading up to receiving this word, he says, I ate no delicacies, in verse 3, no meat or wine entered in my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. And so three weeks prior to Daniel receiving a word from the Lord, a messenger from the Lord, it says that he prayed basically and fasted, the semi-fast for three weeks. He didn't eat any delicacies, he didn't eat any meats, he didn't eat any, uh, he didn't drink the wine at the table, and he didn't put on cologne. It wasn't his normal routine that was going on there. He was setting himself apart to seek the Lord. It doesn't say what he's setting himself to seek the Lord about. We know later that it says he's seeking understanding, and we'll find out what that is. But basically, he's just been praying for three weeks, praying and fasting of some sort for three weeks. And many think that the reason why he's praying is because the decree has been given for the Jews to go back, but only like 40,000 have gone so far. And so he's just brokenhearted over this. And that's, that seems to be pretty reasonable, right? Uh, you know, to, to have uh, the people of God go, nah, I like it better here in Babylon. I like all the comforts of pagan life. I'm good. You know, that's got to probably be bugging Daniel at some point. But we really don't know what's going on, but we do know that Daniel's denying himself, and he's seeking the Lord, and he's praying for 21 days straight, asking God for understanding. And so Daniel's been seeking the Lord for three weeks, and verse 4 says, And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing in the bank of the Tigris River, so this is three weeks, at the end of that three weeks, he was standing on the bank of the Tigris River, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist, and his body was like beryl, and his face was like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like a flaming torches, and his arms and legs like the gleaming burnished bronze, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And so Daniel is way east of Babylon right now. We don't know how far, but the Tigris, either he's up or downstream from the Tigris. 
And it's on the 24th, 24th week, so it's three weeks after he's been praying. And, uh, and he sees this vision of a man, and it's no ordinary man. He is, he is seeing this being, this heavenly being. And this being is just radiating everything about him. How many of you have like secretly asked God, God, I want to see an angel? How many of you like, Lord, show me your glory? You know what I mean? The, the prayer of Moses, you know, I want to see some of these things. Well, this being is just radiating. His face is like lightning. His eyes are, are fire. His arms and legs are like bronze that's been heated. This is just glowing. And his voice, when he spoke, it sounded like, Many waters is the idea, like the oceans raging. Have you ever been to the ocean? I grew up in San Diego, so yes. And if you've ever been there on, on high surf days, you know, you've got 10 to 20 foot waves out there, and they are pounding, it, or, and you can just feel the, the weight of the low end waves hitting you, and just the, all the frequencies are being hit. It is something spectacular. How many of you have gone over to the... the um, over in Spokane, we see when it's the runoff going, and you can feel the power of the water. Uh, just you're just going, wow, that's amazing. His voice was like that. And so this is no ordinary man. This is a supernatural being that da- Daniel is seeing. Interestingly, the description of this being matches the description of Jesus in in Revelation chapter one, except for his hair. That's an important detail, I guess. His hair was white in Revelation 1. But this leads many to believe, believe and I kind of lean this way, that, that this being in the first part of Daniel chapter 10 is none other than a Christophany, than an appearance of Jesus Christ himself before his incarnation, or just otherwise an Old Testament appearing of Jesus Christ. He also appears as the angel of the Lord, and so this might be um, that. You know, when you put the description of Revelation 1 next to Daniel chapter 10 of this being, it's hard to walk away and say this isn't the Lord. Let me just read Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. You just had Daniel 10. It says, Revelation uh, 12, uh, 1, 12 through 16, says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. This is John. And on, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a long robe with a gold sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And then Jesus identifies himself there in verses 17 through 18. He says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last and the living one, and I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. <laughs> Jesus. So when you match that against here of Daniel, you go, Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty similar there. And so the description parallels that. Now, some think this is the same angel all the way through Daniel 11. They think it's, a, it's an angel, and that's okay if you think that's, that's, that's totally fine. There's a lot of reasons for doing that. And one of the reasons this would be is because this, if you, if you kind of believe that it's one angel from the very beginning all the way to the end, that this angel gets opposed by a demonic force and gets held up. And if that's Jesus, Jesus isn't getting held up by any demon. We know that, right? And so there's a reason that you might think it's an angel, Again, if you believe that, it's okay. We can still be friends. And so many people see this 
being an angel all the way through. But for those who don't, like me, I, when you look at this, verse 10, it changes from Jesus to, a, to another angel. It doesn't say it, but it seems like that's what happened. And what you have through the rest of the chapter is another angel and possibly other angels ministering there. I won't get into all that right now, but that's the, that's the angle I'm taking so you don't get confused if you see it a different way. And so there are those two main views there, that Jesus is in view through verse 9, and, and then it changes uh, to, another, to the angel that was sent to Daniel. That's the majority view. And then the minority view is basically that there's just one angel through Daniel 10. Good cases for both. I'm going with Jesus right now. That's the way it goes. And so the Lord appears to Daniel as he's on the bank of the Tigris, verse 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Does this remind you of anything? What does it remind you of? It reminds me of Paul and his encounter with the Lord. Remember that none of the other guys, they, they heard a sound, but they didn't, they didn't see the vision. They didn't understand the sound, and they were there terrified. Well, here in Daniel's situation, the men knew something spiritual was going along, but, but going on, but couldn't see it, and so they just ran in terror. Boy, there's a lot. I could just preach a whole message on there can be spiritual things happening, but people not knowing. Right here, right now. The men in Daniel's situation, they knew something was going on, but they couldn't put their hand, they, their hand on it. They couldn't figure it out. And so verse 8, I was left alone and I saw a great vision, Daniel says, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength and I heard the sound of his words and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And so in response to the presence of this being, what happens to Daniel? Boom. He falls as though dead, basically. That's, that's how, why they translate that so many times. No strength, no power, can't speak, just flat on his face. I like what John MacArthur said. He said, when the unholy come into the presence of, uh, when the unholy come into the presence of the holy, the unholy look for a hole to bury themselves in. <laughs> and this is what happens time and time again in Scripture when mankind even Daniel, who is super righteous, holy guy, on his best day, what does he do when he was in the presence of God? Or even an angel we see in Scripture. In scripture. Boom. Wow. You know that, that he says there that Daniel had no strength. This means he was sapped of his energy totally. It says that his appearance was fearfully changed. How many of you have a different translation there? His appearance was fearfully changed. It's also strange that if you have a little A next to that, if you go down, the Hebrew says his splendor was changed to ruin. <laughs> I love that. He's all, my splendor was changed to ruin. I am undone, like Isaiah cried out, right? And then the Lord spoke with words like an ocean, and Daniel lost consciousness and collapsed. I mean, just overwhelmed here and the presence and the power of the Lord. And then in verse 10, this is where those of us who see um, that this being has been Jesus up to this point, in verse 10, what happens is it switches. It's no longer Jesus, but an angel. And that's what I'm going with. Verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. 
And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And so Daniel is touched on the shoulder. He gets on his hands and knees. He's wobbling. He's, he, the, guy has to, the angel has to physically revive him. And then he reminds him, not only he revives him physically, but he revives him spiritually. He reminds him, Daniel, you're greatly loved by the Lord. If there was ever a time that Daniel needed to hear that, be reminded of that, this is the time. Being overwhelmed in the presence of such a powerful angel. Verse 12, and then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and tremble and, and humble yourself before your God. Your words have been what? Have been heard from the first day. And I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with kings of Persia, with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. This is one of the most fascinating insights into the spiritual realm that we have in Scripture. You know, you, you, you put Job there, you put the transfiguration there, and this is another one where you're just blown away. Obviously, Revelation's full of it, but this is, this is absolutely awesome. In verse 12, we see one of the most fascinating pieces of Scripture regarding what role of angels particularly have in prayer. And in verse 12, the angel tells Daniel that as soon as you prayed, what happened? God he heard. What we see is that Daniel's communication with the Lord is not hindered. It goes straight to the Lord. He hears immediately. How many of you pray to the Lord and just wonder, God, are you listening? Instantaneous communication with the Lord. Now, there are things that do hinder prayer. Not that God doesn't hear but there are reasons why God won't answer prayer, and that's different. We have selfishness in James 4, 3. You're, you're praying to ask the answer something that you can spend it on your own flesh. That, that, that does that. You have lack of faith in Hebrews eleven six. You have disobedience. Uh, 1 John 3, 21 through 22. You have unforgiveness in your heart in Mark eleven twenty five through 26, and obviously unconfessed sin. These things all hinder God's answering our prayer until they are dealt with before God. But this is not the case with Daniel. God hears Daniel the moment he prays. And secondly, we see that as soon as God hears, what does God do? He answers. He sends an angel with a message for Daniel. Now, how many of you wish the communication was as, you had as much, you know, upload speed as you do download speed? Well, in this case, it's the opposite, Right? So, immediately, God answers Daniel, but Daniel doesn't get the answer for 21 days later. What's going on? The answer is fascinating. Verse 13, the angel says, listen, you prayed, immediately God heard, and I was sent. But verse 13 happened, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. What we see here is the dynamic of spiritual warfare. 
the dynamic of spiritual warfare. An angel of God is dispatched from heaven with an answer for Daniel, but apparently he's intercepted by this being called the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This prince is not a person because he's combating an angel. And secondly, he's not a good angel because he's combating the will of God. And so this fallen angel called the prince of the king of Persia was able to keep this angel from coming to Daniel for 21 days. It's interesting to note that this angel is called, what? The prince of of the king of Persia. The prince of the king of Persia. The word prince means ruler. The ruler of the king of Persia. This means that although Persia, which was the main empire on the scene, had a king, Cyrus, guess what? Who was influencing and pushing Cyrus around and influencing the people behind the scenes in the spiritual realm? That guy. This demonic force called the prince of the king of Persia. He was behind the scenes. A powerful demon was behind the scenes, influencing and manipulating this king to go against the will and the plans of God. It's interesting, you go to Ezra 1, and it says that God moved on Cyrus' heart to let, the, uh, to let the Jews go back. How do you think that happened? We're going to read about that in a little bit. And we get into chapter 11 because this angel says, two years ago, I started to fight this fight. Interesting, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But doesn't this shed a little bit of insight on what is going on in the world today? You know, I keep going, people go, oh yeah, it's, it's conspiracy, everything's coordinated, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we all think that. I'm going, people are not that smart. We're just not that smart. We can't even get things to run you know, it's hard enough to do, like, how many of you guys struggle with your own stuff? Like, imagine managing, like, multiply yourself by two. Try to manage that, let alone a nation, let alone, you would have to be extremely powerful and extremely influential and extremely organized in all these things. What do you think is truly organizing some of these things? Bingo. There's a powerful thing. We see the glimpses of it. We feel the oppression of it, but we always look to the flesh and not what's going behind in the spiritual realm. And Daniel's eyes are being opened right now to what is truly going on, that there are powerful demonic forces influencing leaders in directions and policies and actions that would seek to defy God. That's what's going on. Interestingly, this idea of Satan having control over the kingdoms of men is actually alluded to in the temptation of Christ in Matthew 4, 8. I don't know if you picked it up. Remember, Satan takes Jesus onto a high mountain and he shows him what? All the kingdoms of the world and all their glory and splendor. And he says, I will do what? I will give them to you if you what? Bow down and what? Worship me. Satan was saying, these are mine. Jesus didn't dispute it. He didn't dispute it. Satan was seeking to give Jesus a shortcut to what was rightfully his. You see, the father said, you're going to the cross because you're buying back what Satan gave up in sin, what Satan forfeited, the title deed to the earth, so to speak. See, Jesus bought it back at the cross. He rendered Satan powerless, so to speak, 
And guess what Jesus is doing? He's going to come back and take it. What is his? Satan was offering a shortcut. But Satan, the point is Satan is going, I'll offer you the kingdoms of the world. Jesus didn't deny that. Satan has control and influence in this world. In 2 Corinthians 4.4 it says, this is speaking about people who are blinded, but it says, in their case, the God of this world, lowercase g, has blinded the minds of what? Unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of the Son of God. Satan has power over this world. He is the God of this world, not deity, ruler. Make sense? Yes, God is supreme ruler, but he has usurped authority. That's who he is, a usurper. And he has power here and influence, demonic power and influence. And if you think that this angel is powerful who's standing here, who is delivering this message and Daniel drops dead, what do you think Satan is like? And that leads to the bigger picture of who's going to possess the Antichrist at the end of the age. The enemy, Satan himself. And there's going to be a powerful influence unleashed. But Satan is the god of this world, not Deity, but ruler, blinding the minds of unbelievers. And there are many more verses about this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, about Satan being the prince of the power of the air, the one who is at work in the sons of disobedience. He's the prince of the power of the air, this realm. But here we see one of Satan's governors, a fallen angel called the prince of the king of Persia. And again, this really makes you think about what's happening in our nation with all that's being stirred up, the demonic power being manifested among our leaders and in the policies and in the people that we see increasingly more and more so as we are full-on open throttle towards all-out unrighteousness. Where do you think that's coming from? So this powerful prince of the king of Persia intercepts this angel by God to Daniel, and he withstands him for 21 days. And this would have continued unless what happens? He says, the angel says, unless the chief prince named Michael comes to help. He said, I was, I was held up. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't get to you. I was being held up by the, chi- the chief prince, and by the way, and also his helpers there, for 21 days. Until Michael, the chief prince, came to help me. Now, Michael is an angel. He's another angel, but he's not just any angel. He is called one of the chief princes. What is a prince again? It's a ruler. And what do you think a chief prince is? A chief over the princes. He's, he's like a general, a general angel, so to speak. He's one of the chief, most powerful, high-ranking angels with angels under his command. We know this because we see in Jude, and, and verse 9, there's only one chapter in Jude, basically that Michael's called an archangel. Arch means ruler over angels. That's who he is. He's a very powerful angel. And so one of this, the most powerful chief high-ranking angels comes to his aid. And by the way, in, in Jude chapter 9, it goes on, it says, that, it says that 
It's Michael who wrestles with Satan for the bones of Moses. I know this is kind of weird. We'll, we'll have a fun day studying that sometime. But later in Revelation, we see that Michael has a full-on battalion of angels that fight against the dragon, against Satan, kick him out of heaven, and he and his followers. And so there's just a lot there. Michael is, he's no one to mess with. The guy is, a, is powerful in angelic terms. And he comes in, and he goes ahead and attacks the prince of Persia and helps release this other guy. And that's what the angel is saying. Now, if you haven't picked it on yet here in Daniel 10, the veil of the spiritual realm is ripped open and we get to see into a dynamic of spiritual warfare that we need to, that we need to really think about. We get to see uh, into a glimpse of, of what is going on when we pray. What is going on in our nation? What's going on when we pray? What's going on when God ha- wants to have something done? We get to see a glimpse into here, and specifically we see how holy angels are dispatched by God to do His will. They are servants of God. That is what they are. They're ministering spirits. They fight, they fight stuff. They, they fight enemies. They dispatch messages. They do God's will, basically. And what we see here is this angel sent to Daniel... Um, who's opposed by a seemingly more powerful angel for 21 days. And this is all happening while Daniel is doing what? He's what? He's praying this whole time. He's praying for 21 days straight. And what we see from this is that prayer has a dynamic that few of us really realize, or if we realize it, we quickly forget it. As we are praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we see his will in, in, in the word and we say, Lord, make that happen, there's something that starts to happen in the heavenlies. There's something, a dynamic that is happening in the spiritual realm that we can't see, that we're not aware of, that Daniel gives us insight into. And there's a couple other places in Kings and other places, obviously, Job. It gives us insight into what is going on. There's a spiritual realm that surrounds us and there's a war between the demonic forces and the angelic forces going on. And when we pray, we start to engage in that warfare. And while we as believers, we we don't receive revelation like Daniel. Daniel's a prophet. He's receiving Bible. We aren't receiving Bible, okay? We're not getting new special revelation, so to speak. The Apostle does, the Apostle Paul does, however, give us insight and expounds to us a window into this warfare that we engage in as believers. In Ephesians 6.12, you want to write this down, Ephesians 6.12, he says this, we do not what? We do not wrestle with what? We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Who, are we ta- who is he talking to? Believers. You do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but what do you wrestle against? Against the rulers. Is this talking about our governor? No, you wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual force of evil forces of evil in heavenly places this is our fight 
What are we fighting? What are we wrapped up in? What war are we waging? Paul says, you don't do that. This is what you do. Because what's behind all this stuff going on? Some demonic situation that needs to be shown some spiritual power, not by us and our strength, but the Lord's power. This is what Paul is talking about, that there's a warfare, a wrestling that happens in the life of the believers. Not against governors or politicians or activists or racists and so forth. Not against people, but against principalities. When you see these things going on, instantly, church, we need to remind ourselves, principalities, not people. Principalities, not people. Principalities, not people. Principalities, not people. Because what do we know about Satan? He's at work blinding the eyes of unbelievers. That's what he does. He blinds them. You're wondering, why don't you see it? Because they are what? Blind. Do you remember when you were blind? I remember when I was blind. (laughs) People remind me still. (laughs) That's what he does. Peter was blind. Remember one moment he's declaring the wonderful you know, mysteries of God, and the next moment he's telling Jesus you can't go to the cross, and what does Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me what? Peter. No, did he say Peter? He said get thee behind me, Satan. Because you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And that's what Satan wants us to do, is to be mindful of the things of men and not the things of God. He wants to take our fight onto the people and not onto the principalities. Gosh, this is convicting. Anyone else? Lord, I failed. Forgive me. Gosh. And what we see is that Daniel can't see all this. But Daniel's role was just to what? Be persistent in prayer. Daniel didn't stop at day 20. When did he stop? When did he stop, church? Day 21, when the answer came. He kept going. Some of you are praying for loved ones to come to the Lord. Some of you are praying for things to lighten up. Some of you are praying for a lot of things. Some of it's not in the will of God that you're praying for. Some of it absolutely is. Keep praying. Don't give up. Read the word. Let his will fill your heart and pray accordingly. And don't stop praying. There's a fight going on. Keep praying. Is it Luke 18? Christine reminds me of this one. Luke 18, the the, the persistent widow who keeps nagging this unjust judge and the judge finally gets up and leaves and and kind of answers her because he's so darn bugged. He's like, gosh, I just, you know, wish you'd just leave me alone. And then Jesus flips around and says, that's an unrighteous judge. Imagine your father in heaven, how he's going to respond to you or his kids. He says, but when I return, am I still going to find faith on the earth? Am I going to find Daniels and Daniela's on this earth who are still praying? 
when I come to answer in my glorious might when all things will be set straight? So brothers and sisters, don't stop praying. Keep seeking God's will. Keep reading his word. Keep asking that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a reason why we have to pray that way because there's a fight going on. And this angel arrives to Daniel and says to Daniel, man, I came to make you understand what's going to happen to your people in the latter days for this vision is to come. Daniel, he's basically saying, that's why I came, to answer your prayer. You were asking for understanding about your people, Israel, and for the future. I came to answer you that and by the way, a whole lot more that you did not know. And that's what chapter 11 is about. 10 to setting up 11. And it rolls into 12. And Daniel responds as the angel says this, guess what Daniel's big response is, verse 15. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. <laughs> Typical protocol. How many of you guys wanted to meet an angel? <laughs> it's going to be fluffy and fun. No, you're going to fall on your face and not have any energy. And, <laughs> and they're going to revive you. Hopefully you're on the God's side, right? And behold, one of the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. This could be another angel, yet another angel. We see this in Isaiah. A series of angels ministering to Isaiah. This could be more than one. But so Daniel again just falls on his face. He's speechless now. And an angel comes and touches him on his lips, opens his mouth so he can speak. And here's what Daniel says. Finally, when he can speak, he says, Then he opened his mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O Lord, this is not Lord God, but O respect. There's two different words there in the Hebrew. O respect, by reason of the visions, uh, vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. So with, he's given the ability to speak, and now he says, I'm hurting. That's what he says. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? How can I talk with you? For now I have no strength remains in me and, my, and no breath is left in me. I can just talk and all I'm saying is I'm in pain. And so, verse 18, and again one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. So Daniel's given back his speech and now he's given back his strength. And he said, and this is the angel speaking to Daniel, he says, O oh man, greatly loved. Again, he tells him how much he's loved. Fear not. Daniel's full of fear. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Repeating the words that have been given to Israel echoed by this angel and echoed by Jesus. He says, let my word, let my Lord speak uh, for you have strengthened me. He says, go ahead, talk. Please, tell me. Verse 20, and then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And this is rhetorical. In other words, you ask for understanding. I've come in to give it to you. But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. This angel says, I've got to get back to the fight against this demon for the will of God to go forward because when I'm done doing this, there's another one that's going to rise up. And then another one and then another one, and then what do we find in the end time? Then finally, there's going to be one rising up on the scene that will dominate the world with such power and influence. That's the Antichrist. But this really makes you think about what's going on all around us, doesn't it? A continual battle in the heavenlies for ever and ever that we don't see. And then he says in verse 21, he says this. He says, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. In other words, before I go back, 
before I go into this fight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what God, the answer to your prayer. And that's what chapter 11 is. It's just this vision about what's going to happen to Israel, not only in years to come, but all the way until the return of the Lord. It starts in a few hundred years, and then it will jump to the very end, as it often does, this big loop cycle. We'll get to that more of that next week. We'll unpack that in, in chapter 11. But he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. And then he says, by the way, there is no one who contends by my side except these, except against these, except Michael, your prince. Interesting, the angel says, I'm alone fighting against the prince of Persia and against all his guys. So this must be some impressive angel. That is against the prince of Persia, obviously, and then against the prince of peace, uh, Greece. But I, uh, I alone am fighting on this front, except for Michael, your prince. Again, Michael, your prince, meaning over the people of Israel. Michael is the fighter, the defender, the angel over Israel, apparently. Pretty fascinating stuff, huh? Fascinating insight into the spiritual realm. So, church, I just want to remind us that we have an opportunity to engage tonight at 7 p.m. By the way, you have an opportunity to engage anytime, any day, any situation to engage in this fight. Have your prayers not been answered? What do you think's going on? Is there sin in your life? Is there unconfessed repentance? Is there unconfessed sin? Is there things going on between people that's not resolved? Get get that stuff done. Confess it before the Lord and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then pray, seek and pray according to his will. And what happens? The fight goes. And are we supposed to fight alone? Are we lone rangers in this battle? No, what do we do? We grab fellow brothers and sisters where two or more are gathered in my name. And we start asking the Lord's will. And I know that has to do with discipline in that verse. Someone's going, hey, that has to do with discipline. But we gather together as the church and we we start seeking God for His will and His glory. And guess what? God starts to do stuff. Not that we are moving uh, and changing God's ideas on stuff, but that we are becoming in tune with what He wants. And as we pray according to His will, somehow... There's a warfare that is engaged. How many of you need prayer in your life? You feel like there's just this this thing that needs to be broken through. How many of you are willing to start to grab people around you and say, let's pray? You don't know how many times I hear it. There's nothing, like, what am I supposed to do here in the church? I don't feel like I have a place. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What's my part? I feel like I, I can't do anything. I feel the same way, and I know I'm doing stuff, but pray. And when, when we say pray, we often think, oh, well, gosh, that's brushing someone off. No, it's like the most important thing. Pray, because this is where spiritual stuff gets done. We are now born of the what? The Spirit. This is no longer our home. We want his will to be done on earth, in our families, in our lives, in our homes. Pray for me. You know, we have opportunities on Sunday morning at half hour before 9.30, is it, Doug? 9.30 in in the back room there to gather together as a church and and pray. You can be praying at the same time at home, and guess what? God hears you. (laughs) Amazing. 
begin to pray. Pray that God would break through during this service because what do you think is happening as the word of God is going out? The seed is being scattered and what is happening? The enemy comes and scoops it off of a hard hearts. Pray that God would soften hearts. Pray that the word would go out. Pray that the people would be receptive. Pray that his will would be done. That fruit would come up. That God would be glorified in this place and among these people. Amen. You have opportunities to pray for your families, for the lost ones you love, for your own heart, if you see your heart is hardened. You know what? It's like, love God because he is the one who takes, he's the creator. He's the one who can make things out of nothing. He's the one who can take things and change them. He's the creator. He has the power to change your heart, to soften your heart if you would humble yourself before your God. So there's so many opportunities to pray, and I I didn't even list them all. And so church, would you you be with me and, and pray with me and for God's will, whether it's tonight or in your Bible studies or alone times or gathered together or Sunday morning or tonight or whatever it might be, begin to pray and, and don't stop. And you know what? God will teach you as you go. As you're praying, you feel like you're hitting your head against the brick wall. It might be a spiritual wall. You might need to get more people to pray and just begin praying. But it also might be that you're, you've got things that God wants to show you about yourself or a circumstance that you're not praying according to his will and you didn't even know it. You should see my old Bible because I've been in physical pain for a long time and I, I don't know, it's probably my own fault. But, you know, I used to pray all the promise verses about deliverance and stuff and then finally it's just like, okay, that it's not working. How about character, Lord? How about train me through this? Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, that seems to start working. I'm not going to take away the pain. I'm, I'm disciplining you. I'm training you. I'm teaching you as a son. Why? Because light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the eternal weight of righteousness. Light and momentary, Matt. Eternal weight. Which one do you want? Yeah, give me the eternal weight, Lord. So, church, you know, I'm in need to change here, and we're all needed to grow in this area. And I just feel like the Lord just kind of dropped this in our lap for this time as we're so focused on so much stuff. Let's just start to seek the Lord and his heart together on this stuff and give grace for one another and just let his will be done in this place and through us. Amen? And I pray God would put a, just a big stronghold in this, in this city for his word and his, in his name. I know he already is doing that, but just more so through you, wherever God has you planted this week. Amen? Let's close our prayer. Father, we know right now you hear us. We're on this little ball spinning around in your vast universe, and yet you are tuned to the heart of your little lambs. And so, Lord, we we bleat out for you, Lord. We cry out to you to have mercy upon us, to cleanse us from our sin. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we as a church just want to seek your will. Show us what that is. And, Lord, dispatch your mighty angels as you see fit to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. As, As Michael said to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. 
But Lord, we are concerned about your will in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church lives, and in the people you've placed us around to influence and to pray for. God, forgive us for being so focused on people and not on principalities. Help us to see beyond the trick of the enemy and into the treasure of the Son. So Lord, we just submit ourselves to you now and we're refreshed, Lord. I just sense a refreshing from your truth being in this place. Thank you for hearing and we know that you will answer according to your will, Lord. And you know that we have just simple needs, Lord, that we place before. You're not ignorant of those things. You know that we need them. So we want to just give all kinds of prayers to you, Lord, trusting that you will do what is glorifying to you and have our best interest in your heart. And so it's in the mighty name of the only one, the only reason that why you are listening and you have adopted us in your kingdom. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we pray. Amen.